live from the next cast Phanthropological Institute. Today we're talking about anime and manga for girls. and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about Anime and Manga for Girls, also known as Shoujo or Josei, the definitions of which we will get to in just a minute. But first, I'd like to introduce my two best friends, Nick Z. Hey, everybody. Well, today it looks like we're all pretty soldiers. <laughs> and Nick T? I guess I'm a card... Uh, shoot, no, all I can remember is the, the crappy English opening to card captors skip skip pass 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 <laughs> skip skip at. Yep. Yeah. my favorite part of introducing the show is that i don't have to do those little little <laughs> also with us today author of the blog heroin problem where she's currently writing a series on abuse in shoujo and contributor to anime feminist uh, caitlin hi thanks for coming on the show do i have to do a silly introduction not if you don't want okay i just don't have anything off the cuff <laughs> That's okay. For guests, it's a volunteer position, but they, they have to do it. <laughs> it's in our contract. Yep, definitely. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Caitlin. It's always great to have a guest who uh, has some experience in the topic that we're doing. Not the least because um, we're seldom experts on the fandoms that we cover, but also because of the large amount of work that you have done on your blog and with the Anime Feminist. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to sort of... Uh talk about the subject for for people who are not um already just super entrenched in it cool that's as great a point as any to dive into a little bit of background on what our topic today is in case you didn't know and by that i mean talking about fandom facts facts. this week we are talking about anime and manga for girls, but more specifically, we are talking about uh, shoujo and josei. Anime and manga, for those not in the know, are animation and comics. They are very broad categories of media originating in Japan. Shoujo, uh, which I believe literally means young girl, is one of four main categories of anime and manga targeted at different groups, which also includes shonen for boys, josei uh, for women, uh, and seinen for men. Uh, shoujo and josei are not so much a genre uh which makes this episode challenging uh, <laughs> <laughs> but instead target demographics for reader and viewership i am not a historian but when i started doing the research this week i discovered that shoujo has a long a very long and storied history that dates back to the earliest 20th century uh, when magazines specifically for girls first appeared in japan the quote wide-eyed look uh, commonly associated with shoujo dates back to early illustrations in these magazines until the mid-1960s um, men vastly outnumbered women in terms of manga authors and between 1950 and 1969 large audiences for manga emerged in japan as did a flood of young female manga authors that's like shoujo manga in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> Jose uh, began to appear during the 1980s during a different manga boom when girls who grew up reading shoujo manga in the 50s and 60s wanted manga for adult women, which is not super surprising. Broadly, shoujo tends to focus on romance and interpersonal relationships and includes titles that you may know of, such as Revolutionary Girl Utena, Sailor Moon, uh, Fushigi Yugi, and Oren Host Club, whereas Jose tends to focus 
on slice of life stories and more realistic relationships as compared to idealized ones uh, and includes titles that you may know of such as uh, Karage Hime or uh, Princess Jellyfish, uh, Loveless, Paradise Kiss, and Honey and Clover. In terms of when the fandom was most active, probably nowish. Uh, we usually use Google Trends data to try to get a feel for how things are doing and that kind of points to now-ish, although it's been kind of flat, except for some spikes in 2014, 2016, and 2017, which I tried to figure out what anime or manga came out at that time and could not <laughs> find out what it was. <laughs> um, Jose is sort of just now finding its audience in the US in the last few years. Shoujo's been around for a little while, but not as long as you would think, considering how long it has existed. Do you mean in North America? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because uh, when did Card Captors like? And I I think of popular shojo shows that were brought over to North America, and I think of like Magic Knight, Ray Earth, mm-hmm. Card Captors, and Sailor Moon, and then those are kind of the big ones that come to mind to me. Which also dates me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I was actually talking about this on Twitter, like just honestly, just a few minutes ago, for a completely different reason. So I've got the timeline pretty well lined up. <laughs> Cool. Do you want me to go into that now? Yeah, go for it. Sure. So Shoujo first started finding an audience in the US around like 1998. Before that, um, the manga industry was sort of run by comic book guys who were licensing stuff that comic book guys wanted to read. Um, And they thought that would sell in comic book stores. And they were trying to market it like that with like, you know, the floppies. And then in the um, late 90s, Sailor Moon was on TV. So that was sort of starting to show that girls might have an interest in um, these sort of properties. So Mix, which would become Tokyo Pop, or Tokyo Pop Mix was a subdivision of Tokyo Pop. I'm not clear on those details. <laughs> they released um, Sailor the Sailor Moon manga and Magic Knight Ray Earth. And around the same time, Viz started their Animerica Extra magazine, which had Fushigi Yugi in it because the Fushigi Yugi anime had recently been released in English and it had been considered a big risk because conventional wisdom said that girls don't get into this stuff. So in the late 90s, we sort of first started seeing it. And then around, I want to say, 2000, 2001, Tokyo Pop started doing their unflipped manga. Oh, and they had also released Cardcaptor Sakura. But Card Captors, um, when it was on the US TV, it was also edited to try to make uh, the male character seem like he had equal billing as uh, Sakura, the title character. Um, so there was clearly like some bumps in the road along the way. But um, when Tokyo Pop started doing the unflip manga, I'm not sure the exact year they started doing it, they released a lot of shoujo as part of that line and Tokyo Pop did a lot of things wrong <laughs> but the one thing that they did right was that they realized that there was this market that existed that no one had really tried to tap into and I mean I don't know enough behind the scenes to really say that was what kicked off the manga boom mm. but I do think that it was pretty instrumental from where I am standing from what I have observed over the years, I do think that giving girls a new medium that they could get into was really a big part of why manga was suddenly so popular. And then it became what it is nowadays, which is a thriving segment of the market. Mm-hmm. 
I hesitate to mention it now because I don't want to jump into it since this is more of something in the Y territory, but I find it interesting how often um, it comes up that, you know, something targeted at women or girls or young women, just females in general, tends to sort of kick off big trends. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Someone realizes that we're an actually a viable audience that have been being ignored and... <laughs> And all of a sudden, <laughs> we're willing to spend our money on it. It's almost like there's half of the population that uh, is also interested in lots of different things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there are audiences that aren't males eighteen thirty five. I if only Marvel can pluck up the courage to have a female protagonist. Oh my goodness! Sorry, I just remembered how great Wonder Woman was. Yeah, that was good. Oh my goodness! But that was. Really, I didn't have nearly that much context on the the history of shoujo in North America, but I I was looking through doing the research and I came across the anime feminist article talking about the the Jose Renaissance and it was, I was seeing the various missteps mm-hmm. that uh, Tokyo Pop had taken towards marketing Jose, which is targeted at adult women, and how they kind of made some mistakes trying to do that like yeah. a decade ago. I think adult women are for a lot of uh, people a trickier market than teenage girls. Well, when I was looking up like kind of the context of Jose and what it actually means and what are what are examples of it, it reminded me a lot of a fairly new genre of of literature, or at least title genre of literature, which is new adult. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that it made me think of because we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Like someone dealing with now having adult responsibilities and like n- you know no longer having teenage problems but having quote adult problems. It's still new to the process. It's the first thing that struck me, and it's starting to be a thing over here. Z might know more about that than I do, but man, oh man, when it not really when it comes to <laughs> uh, when it comes to categorizations that tend to be more, I guess, age oriented. I hardly know when they start or when they end, or like what's sort of contained in them. Like <laughs> new adult, young adult, middle grade. Oof. I can tell you all about like the preschool age (laughs) (laughs) demographics, but beyond that, I don't know. I found out that in addition to the various uh, groupings, demographics of anime and manga, there is one grouping for children, which I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like we don't really, aren't really concerned with, with any sort of gendering. It's just for kids, but not like for kids, for kids, because that would be bad. (laughs) Not, not, no. I tried to drum up some numbers about how large uh, Shoujo and Jose fandom is. Uh, that question is almost impossible on any given episode. And this week it was even <laughs> harder because we decided to pick half of all anime and mega fans. Uh, but I did get some good approximations. The largest number I found is 35 million, which corresponds to the number of copies of Sailor Moon, like various entries in the series, sold worldwide. I found out that the top-selling shoujo manga magazine in Japan has an average circulation of almost 1 million. Uh, the top-selling Jose manga magazine in Japan has an average circulation of almost 200,000. Uh, and in North America, before Shoujo Beat was discontinued in 2009, it had an average circulation... Oh, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't realize that they discontinued it. <laughs> They still have it as an imprint. They are just not doing the print magazine anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure looking at my shelf, I have many Shoujo Pete titles. Yes. 
it had an average circulation of almost 40,000 readers. Uh, I don't remember if that was a weekly. It was probably a monthly print. I could not find any fan demographics, although that would have been fun. Uh, I did, however, find a survey run by a group called the International Anime Research Project, which has been running some surveys for a number of different years. The survey from 2016 had about 700 participants, 54.8% identified as male, which leaves the remaining percentage, except for 0.7%, which did not choose to identify, and the remaining percentage identified as female, um, but they didn't present those in that way, which was confusing. Um, the median age of participants was 25 years. Uh, participants were fairly split on their interest in Jose. The largest group, uh, about 25%, did not know of the, quote, genre. Uh, they broke things into genre, and I think it was just mostly to be like, are you aware of these things? Hmm. Like, the largest group did not know that it was a genre, and otherwise it was pretty split between whether they liked it or did not like it. Most of the participants in that survey liked shoujo, about 45%, picked it as, like, neutral or, or better. Other interests that anime fans had were uh, being a gamer, 73%, sci-fi fan, 50%, writer, 38%, artist, 33%, musician, 23%, brony, 7.9%, and Hmm. furry, 5.7%. And interesting to me, just because on the the topic of anime and manga fans, I wish I had more specific data, but uh, I do not. Uh, The largest group preferred subtitles, 49.5%. Followed by folks who like both equally, uh, subs and dubs, 40.5%. I couldn't drum up a lot of really interesting phantom packs beyond that because of how broad our topic was. If we decided to do like Sailor Moon (laughs) or Card Captors or... um, We've done Sailor Moon. Yeah, I know we have, but like like (laughs) Princess Jellyfish or something like that, then maybe could have got something more specific, but not so successful this week. So that's all I managed to get for phantom packs. Yeah, I do think it's worth talking about shoujo and jose as a general concept, though, because there is a lot of interesting patterns and stuff within the demographics. Hmm. You know, it's it's interesting because shoujo and jose magazines have much lower circulation numbers than uh, shonen and seinen, mm-hmm. but I do think that anything like generally stuff that has like chance of being a crossover or have general appeal gets filed in under those because the general wisdom is uh, in japan as well as here girls will read things aimed at boys boys will not read things aimed at girls. <laughs> uh-huh. i found a fun quote about that it was a tweet um i have the the news article but i don't have the the author and it, it says um man if shoujo manga were really interesting wouldn't more men be reading them and the woman says, you've got it all wrong. It's not that men don't read them because they're not interesting. Women read shonen manga and seinen manga. Men don't read jose manga, but not because they aren't interesting. Men have no problems with women pursuing them while they, the men, hold on to their own values. But they absolutely can't stand getting closer to women's values. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Wow. It is definitely something that goes both ways because um, a lot of times I will look at shoujo and jose and just be like, this is all just romance can we please have some other stuff especially the way that sort of the trends have gone over the years um there used to be a lot more fantasy and sci-fi um and other genres Mm. uh including a shoujo and jose particularly in shoujo but um it sort of shifted more towards school romance or like supernatural romance but it's still like set in the real world and it's still very strongly focused on romance generally sounds familiar (laughs) But at the same time, if someone says, like, it seems like there's just not as much, like, 
interesting shoujo and jose out there i will just like sit there and be like no you're wrong <laughs> you're ignoring like and i'll just like give them this like list of titles <laughs> so it's sort of like you can say whatever you want but like something that i will only let people say if they are in the thick of it if that makes sense mm-hmm. um just like someone who is familiar with shoujo and jose like I feel comfortable with them being like, man, like why is this all just focused on this one thing? But if someone who doesn't know the genre sits there and says that, I'm like, no, there's actually so much more out there. You know, it's just like that just happens to not be the current focus of what is being made. But you know, um, like an example of something that is sort of female leaning is the Ancient Magus's Bride, which is doing pretty well in the U.S. and it currently has an anime out. The manga writer did an interview where she did say that it is mainly at female audiences, but it's being printed in a shonen magazine. Mm-hmm. Because there's a chance that boys will like it. So instead of putting it in the shoujo magazine where only girls will read it, they're putting it in the shonen magazine where it'll be exposed to both audiences. Yeah, man. I've been hearing a lot of good things about that. It's really good. Um, yeah, no, I, I I definitely recommend it. It's it's really pretty. Um, <laughs> Never a bad thing. Yeah, it's nice. Cool. Yeah, I was, I was talking to T before we started about, like, <laughs> like I, I'd be interested to see uh, Shonen's Sing and Shoujo Jose applied to, like, stuff that we release over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Movies and books and comics and whatnot. Because, like, we have kind of... Understanding of oh that's a dude movie or that's a that's a girl <laughs> movie but it's not as explicit. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it feels like putting the label on it is doing strange things to certain properties. I think so because um, these magazines, the editors have a lot of oversight, especially over newer writers. So if like someone is coming in and they want to write like a fantasy series that is aimed at girls. If they're paired up with certain editors, the editor might sit there and say, no, you need to make this appeal more towards this male audience. You need to include these elements. And especially since fantasy is not largely considered something as appropriate for shoujo magazines these days. And God, I'm like looking at my shelf and I'm thinking, <laughs> I can't think of a single like outright fantasy series that is uh, Jose. Where was I? See, oh, I think it was on Fanlore there where he was talking about kind of the like some of the distinctions in between Shonen and Shoujo. One of them was like Shonen tends to be more high fantasy and Shoujo tends to be more like historical. Um, I don't know if that would hold true now. Okay. I'd say the main distinction is that Shoujo is more character driven. Hmm. But like most Shoujo fantasy that I know of is more set in the modern day. Okay. A lot of it is like Twilight. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, gosh, people are gonna listen to this, and they're all everyone's gonna start saying I hate shoujo again. <laughs> oh, no. I don't. I love shoujo. I really do. <laughs> it's just you're so close to it. Yeah, yeah I did. I mean, I did it. I am. Um, like, but um, like shoujo uh, with fantasy elements tends to be set in the modern day. For a while, especially like in the 90s, there were a lot of shoujo series that were like a modern girl gets put into this fantasy universe or back in history. Mm -hmm. And those were really cool. (laughs) And some of those did have a more historical focus. 
but there aren't really a lot of them nowadays, especially uh, coming out in the U.S. Right. And I guess not so much like you were saying for like Jose, for Sanan, it's like, oh, yeah, there's uh, like Ghost in the Shell and you got some cyberpunk there and there's mm-hmm. um, like Psychopaths and you got Thriller and you've got all these different genres for, like targeted at like men that that are very broad. But it's like, oh, what about Jose? It's like, I don't know. There's this one about this guy who's not a cross dresser, mm-hmm. but he dresses in women's clothes and he helps a bunch of people. <laughs> and you're like, that sounds just like a modern day story. It's like, cool. And there's this one about how she wants to be a business person and how she also wants to have a family and that's crazy and it's like okay that's that's the modern day again you're, you're kind of doing the same thing there um i mean yeah jose does tend to be more grounded which i mean it makes sense that women want to read about characters and situations that are relatable to them you know and sort of hear their stories being told and there's some really really good just like edgy Jose out there that like really tackles social issues like uh in clothes called fat is um a really interesting one that sort of looks at body image issues and sort of how society like looks at fat women but yeah a lot of it tends to be um more about like just relatable situations the one Jose that I can think of off the top of my head that sort of has more not really fantastical, but it's like um historical drama is uh, Oku by Fumi Yoshinaga, which is set in a version of, I think, the Tokugawa shogunate. But in this uh, histor- sort of ver- version of history, there's a plague that targets only males and it's super deadly. So the male population is only a quarter of the female population. So women are the ones in positions of power women are the ones running the country whereas men are pretty much just valued for their like ability to reproduce um so like a using bees as a model that's not how bees work (laughs) i think (laughs) um i think male bees are more about the the working hard which uh the men in oku don't do because uh gotta keep that uh sweet sweet fertility um, <laughs> so you know that's um that that's sort of the only jose that i can really think of off the top of my head that has more fantastical elements i mean some of them do get pretty weird but they yeah like i like i like i said they tend to be more about modern day uh situations that readers will find relatable cool yeah um I'm going to take this conversation and briefly interlude it for a second. Mm-hmm. Last week, we had some famous last words, which were some questions or statements that people made. And I'm I'm kind of curious to see how they went. I'm going to go through a couple of ones that will be super easy because I, I made stupid statements and they were true. Um, so, <laughs> for example, last week I said uh, for my famous last words, Sailor Moon is the most popular shoujo slash Jose series. I was right. That is all. Congratulations. <laughs> I thought that there might be another title. Um, I found out that of the various manga series, um, Jose and Shoujo generally don't crack above 50 million copies in Japan, but Sailor Moon is the top amongst those. Jesse, our, our guest from last week, had asked, what is the ratio of success of Shoujo Jose to Shonen? Whatever the male equivalent is by measure, using the magazines, it's like 27 
to one or five to two, depending on Shonen Shoujo versus Sane and Jose. Like, there's a pretty big difference in readership. Mm-hmm. Gee. Mm-hmm. Your question will probably get us into some discussion. Is there a notable portion of the audience who are grown men, uh, similar to bronies? And if so, what's their deal? Cross um, a lot. <laughs> That's an interesting... Uh, so, as far <laughs> as I know, there is a significant portion of grown men who are really into magical girl series. Mm-hmm. Particularly um, right now, like the only really major one running in Japan is Pretty Cure. But for a while, Pretty Cure, like the target demographic was... Um, you know, girls like, I don't know, 5 to 12 or however they break it down. Young girls, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then they started finding that men were watching it. And so men sort of took to magical girls. But I don't really know if they're reading more uh, like other shoujo titles or if it's really just that. And most magical girl series that are being made are aimed at adults. What? Yes, yes. Particularly uh, a lot of dark ones. Um, mm. After uh, Madoka Magica came out a few years ago, that sort of set off a trend. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is a discussion I'm not going to get into because I'm really <laughs> tired of that discourse. <laughs> I, edited, I edited an article about that, which you know was um, an interesting article, but I am very tired. <laughs> I'm tired of that argument. Um, so anyway, I recently read a book about moe anime, which is sort of like, um, you know, anime meant to inspire a protective feeling in fans. And most moe anime is primarily aimed at men. There are some more female oriented moe anime, but it was a big trend in like the mid to late aughts, I'd say. And that is sort of spawned out of shoujo stylistically. Hmm. The like the really big expressive eyes, the uh, focus on characters and situations rather than story, that is sort of something that came out of shoujo manga, and you know men were reading shoujo and they were inspired by like the feelings of these characters, and for some of them it is about relating, for some of them it's more about wanting to take care of them. So moe sort of started to spawn out of that, and moe is a whole other topic which (laughs) have you guys done an episode about that because that would be a really interesting one not yet i don't remember what what topic we covered but i just read the moe manifesto and i was just like guys everything yeah that's what i just read yeah i just like everything is this everything and and it's just like okay whatever nick (laughs) yeah yeah that is that is an interesting read it was a very it was it was an interesting read um but you know so yeah like that's sort of like where I was coming from is that like a lot of the stylistic conventions used in Moe originated in shoujo. Um, now I wouldn't say that your average shoujo series probably has a lot of people outside of their target demographic reading it, but you know, there's definitely like some degree of crossover. I've known a lot of male fans of revolutionary girl Utena, hmm. which is a really, really like interesting series. It's one of my favorite series of all time. And that one is definitely had a lot of crossover because it is a series that is very cerebral. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, men are more likely to like cerebral things than women, but rather like 
a wider audience is likely to find something into it. Um, it has a lot of like, you know, symbolism and it sort of makes statements about power structures. It's a really interesting series with a lot to dig into. And the director is one of like directed a whole bunch of Sailor Moon. Hmm. But that's mm, I think that's the main one that I can think of. Um, like I'm like staring at my bookshelf this entire time. <laughs> like I've got so much Shoujo up there. <laughs> Before we started, G and I were talking about um, how Anime Feminist is doing the watch along of Fushigi Yugi. And it was like, yeah. oh, I, re- I remember these things. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I spent like 15 minutes looking at the picture of, of each character on the Fushigi Yugi wiki and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. I don't remember that guy. <laughs> but did a lot of guys watch Fushigi Yugi? I mean, the two of us did. Uh, 66% yeah. of the Knicks cast did. But, um, <laughs> I, that's the only data we have. <laughs> Shoujo is not the most represented on my shelf, but like. Of the shoujo, it's mostly you, Watase. Yeah. Oh. You've got, like, uh, Absolute Boyfriend and the Yashino series. And... I have not read Absolute Boyfriend. It's short. <laughs> I have all the anime of Yashino series on my shelf right now. Um, <laughs> you, Watase, definitely sums up a lot of my complicated and loving feelings towards shoujo. Because, you know, you mentioned the anime feminist watch along, and, you know, I'm I'm one of the people on that. And rewatching this series has, along with at least one other person who who loved it, has really changed my mindset about it. Because I loved it growing up. I loved it. And then, like, you know, I hit a point where it's like, oh, gosh, this anime is so, like, ridiculous and over-emotional and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not into that anymore. And, like, it came out on Crunchyroll and people were watching it to make fun of it and i was sort of like laughing along with them because like it's a very 90s show <laughs> mm-hmm. but then when we started doing this and i was talking about it with d who you know it was uh, a huge thing for her growing up as well um and no joke Fushigi yugi played a major role in me getting into anime it was a really big deal for me and just like realizing that like not everything aimed at 13 year old girls has to be appealing to also like fully grown adults and sometimes you just sort of have to like tap into your inner 13 year old Mm -hmm. and appreciate it for what it is and what it wants to be and that sort of allowed me to actually appreciate a lot of elements to the series i never really noticed before as soon as i heard about um you guys doing the watch along (laughs) I was like, ooh, is that something that I want to read? Because I loved it so much when I was young. <laughs> I devoured that thing. And I hadn't really thought about it since because I was just getting into anime. I'm like, as soon as I'm done one, I'm like, oh, let's see what else there is. Right. So I hadn't thought about what it would be like to rewatch it. I would say if you think you can look at it for what it is, remember what it was that you loved about it, mm-hmm. but also be aware of its flaws. I would say it it could be worth rewatching. Honestly, a smarter series than people give it credit for. Mm. You know, and that's sort of something about shoujo manga. When I come across a series I don't really like, I have to be, you know, remind myself and say, this isn't for me. I'm 30. I'm not going to be interested in every, like, you know, monk story about a couple of 
16 year olds blushing at each other and falling in love you know um and that's okay because i'm really happy that someone out there is writing stories for that audience because for a long time there was pretty much nothing hmm, true and mm-hmm. uh, sorry i'm like i'm just like totally dominating this, <laughs> this podcast guy you know more about this than we do. So it's okay. <laughs> okay. We used to have our motto be, we're not experts, but then we got sick of saying that. But it's never <laughs> stopped being true. It's still true. It's still true. Um, I mean, if we're looking for a, a little pause, uh, we can try to put egg on Z's face. I have his famous last words. Oh, I like his this one. Okay. Uh, this also, I think, can generate some discussion. Uh, Z, your famous last words from last episode were... In Japan, is Jose and Shoujo uh, regarded as something filled with aspirational messages or as a cultural edifice that tries to teach more traditional values? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a small question. You know, it was it took him like all five minutes to uh, research online. Uh, sure. Uh, very simple. Yeah. Uh, hmm, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> All right, uh, but seriously, it seems kind of like it's more of the former, actually. It does seem like to some extent, at least now, in the current moment, 2017, in the present, um, shoujo does tend to be a little bit more aspirational. I mean, based on a few hours of research, if I'm being totally honest, so not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of, of uh, digging in this one. How are you defining aspirational for this? Like, what is sort of aspirational? What what would you consider aspirational with this? Aspirational in the sense that um, as a uh, genre or category aimed at women, instead of just presenting female characters in sort of like socially prescribed roles that are traditional, like a woman can be a wife and a mother, and that's about it. Instead of that, um, I thought of aspirational messages as being more like, you can be whatever you want to be. You can be an artist. You can be a full-on Sailor Moon. You can be a fighter for justice. You can be whatever it is you want to be, mm. which in itself is probably about as as generalizing <laughs> as the question itself. But nonetheless, that's what makes these famous last words, right? Um, (laughs) but i'm basing the idea that in the present shoujo is more aspirational more positive more progressive on sort of the the general historical picture the sort of historical projection of shoujo as a category particularly on the idea that you know when uh girls magazines first started to really become a thing uh, shoujo magazines became a thing like around the turn of the 20th century interestingly enough based on the uh, late 19th century split in schools between girls schools and boys schools at that point in time the people creating the content for those girls magazines were generally men so you know they didn't really know the kinds of stories that women wanted to be told or like were would actually be interested in so up until like the 50s and even a little bit of the early 60s um those stories were just you know kind of like fluffy funny sort of like little comic strips or uh, they'd be lengthier stories but always fairly melodramatic fairly centered on on simple romance 
But then in the 60s and the 70s, as things like women getting into the Japan's legislature started to be <laughs> started to be a thing, people thought, well, if women can be in the diet, why can't they draw comics? And paired up with the, the magazine industry's concerns about TV stealing away their audience, they moved to a weekly model. And obviously, if you're putting out more magazines, you need more people to like create content for you. And so with this whole like shakeup of, you know, what women are, are capable of, what women can do in society, a lot more uh, female creators were able to get their stuff out there to able, were able to uh, create the stories that they had always wanted to be able to read and that sort of thing. So your answer is. <laughs> <laughs> so my answer is that it is more aspirational, but with a caveat that um and this came up in one of the one of the papers that i found you can find everything that i'm referring to in the show notes as vaguely as i'm referring to them but in one of the one of the papers that i was reading it brought up the point that uh, feminism and shoujo in japan are both compared to the west is more of a pop culture thing than an academic thing Hmm. and that coupled up with the perception the fact criticism in japan still tends to be very male oriented shoujo manga and shoujo anime are just generally regarded as like in in serious academic circles it's regarded as fluff pop culture that has no real artistic merit Hmm. beyond maybe looking good and maybe being well written but in pop culture circles sort of outside of the ivory tower so to speak Hmm. there's more importance placed on shoujo it's recognized as more of a space where people can explore all sorts of psychological issues, social issues. Basically, whatever people want to write stories about, they can write those stories, even if they don't necessarily reach a big audience or uh, gain national acclaim outside of industry awards and the like. Interesting. I have to admit, I don't... Like, it's 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 hard to find um, sort of feminist research from japan in english yes there is very limited availability and my japanese reading ability is definitely not up to (laughs) academic language um so that's definitely interesting and i do think shoujo as sort of a place to examine fears and desires and Mm -hmm. the forbidden I do think there's a lot of legitimacy and going back to Fushigi Yugi, just as an easy example, because that's something that Mm -hmm. uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, Mm -hmm. is about anxiety. Yuatase was very young when she wrote it. She was 22. Wow. Yeah. So she, a lot of the uh, stuff Miyaka is going through before she enters the universe of the four gods you know her anxiety and the pressure to get into a good school being forced into this rivalry with her best friend not being interested in boys but not necessarily feeling attractive to them like this is stuff that was all very fresh for you Atase. and miyaka is an extraordinarily anxious character in the anime she has three anxiety dreams in the first three episodes huh. um so like you can look at it as sort of a way of confronting these anxieties and looking at sort of the hopes and desires of the characters and examining the ways they between what Miyaka and Yui go through 
you know, Miyaka has a generally positive experience, even if there are a lot of hardships and Yui has a terrible experience. Um, and sort of like what the best things that could happen and the worst things that could happen. Or like uh, the manga Fruits Basket is about abuse. It's about familial <laughs> abuse. I mean, that's not a subtle metaphor. Um, you know, so a lot of um, shoujo manga is about looking at what could be and about the forbidden desires. So, you know, I'm doing my series about abusive relationships in shoujo manga. And it's something that I feel like I always have to say, like, when I sit here and I call out the series for, like, romanticizing a boyfriend character who's, like, constantly grabbing at the female main character's breasts and ignoring her saying no and pushing her to have sex, like, when I call that out, it's not saying you shouldn't like this or this doesn't have any merit. It's me saying, like, hey, if you're reading this and you have no experience with relationships, like, you might think that this is what's okay and this is what's normal. But, you know, I also totally recognize that, like, series about this is a way to sort of explore this and that different readers will walk away from it with different things. Mm -hmm. So I do think shoujo manga is really important in that way. And the fact that most of them are written by women is also very essential. It's women telling stories to women and girls. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I do find a lot of them have like some pretty regressive values. They're almost uniformly heterosexual, you know, heteronormative, cisnormative, pretty gender normative, honestly. I remember like there's a series, Blue Spring Ride, that like the character, like the main character was really popular with the boys in the middle school and all the girls hated her. So when she goes to high school, she tries to act more masculine so that like the boys won't be into her and she'll be able to have female friends. And the way she acted masculine was like eating a lot and <laughs> like kind of shoving stuff into her bag <sighs> instead of like putting it away neatly. I'm looking at that. I'm like, oh, please. Right, and, and sitting Please. with her legs really wide open, I'm guessing. Like, not take even, no, not even not that. Even, <laughs> no? Not even okay. that. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is pretty normative. A lot of it tells the girls that, like, it's up to you to fix this damaged man. And they almost invariably end with marriage proposals. So, you know, <laughs> gotta marry your high school sweetheart. <laughs> First love is the only real love. <laughs> Um, which was definitely a lesson I walked away from a lot of shoujo manga with, which was not the best way to like see the world when you're in a relationship for way too long and neither of you are super into it anymore. But God damn it, we love each other. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's why the boom of Jose has been really good. I've been reading uh, Everyone's Getting Married. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it, it starts off on a, a bit of a sour note. There's this woman in a relationship. And she wants to be a mother. It's really important to her to have a family. Uh, and they break up at the beginning of the manga. And she's like, I really want to be a mother. And everybody's like, but you're really good at your job. And you really enjoy doing that. And she's like, yeah, but this is important to me. And she falls in love with a, a news anchor who does not want to get married at all. And it explores kind of their relationship there, which is still um, heteronormative and cisnormative, but at least it uh, has kind of a healthier idea of relationships. Although I can't mm -hmm. remember the, the rival character who's like, you know, we fit better together. So how about you just marry me? Because yeah. this guy never <laughs> wants to get married. <sighs> it's yeah. I can never remember anyone's names in that manga because I, I like it. I like it a lot, but all the dudes look the same. 
I, I get like an episode so of The times. Bachelor in there. Oh, my <laughs> but in terms of like shoujo or jose stories that, that don't even necessarily revolve around romance, Complex Age has been. Oh, I love Complex Age, so but that's Seinen. Uh, it's that's seinen. my problem. Yeah, there you go. Uh, see, that's what I'm saying. Like anything, like uh, all the time, people are. It's like, oh, I love this Jose series. I'm looking. I'm like, nope, that's Seinen. Well, I guess <laughs> I guess that goes to say that Jose really seems to be filling a particular niche. Mm-hmm. Like what you were saying earlier about it's like, oh, well, this has more broad appeal, so we'll put it in like a shonen or a, a seinen magazine because of that broad appeal. Yeah. Ah, dang, that was yeah. like my um, great example. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> Calling me out on my my uh, incorrectness. <laughs> Foiled by marketing gurus again. <laughs> that's right. Princess Jellyfish has romance, but it doesn't revolve around romance. Oh, absolutely. That's a fun one. Yeah, and it's like I did read the scans for a while. I'm buying the physical release. I stopped reading the scans as soon as it was <laughs> licensed. But like it starts getting into like the clothing industry and like they're trying to save the yep. Amamizu Khan and like like you know the modern fashion industry and it's fascinating and is like romance element to it but there's so much more or um All My Darling Daughters by Fumi Yoshinaga is not a romance it's actually about women's position in society it is hmm. like it is a pretty explicitly feminist piece of work i recommend anything written by Fumi Yoshinaga she's incredible I'm going to write that down because I now have even more things to add to my list of things to read. <laughs> when I searched Jose, the first, I don't know, 20 hits were just like, just lists. Yeah. Just like the 10, 11, 12, 13, like top Jose anime. Yeah. Oh, I know. Showa Genroku Rakugo Shinju, which is about like all of the main characters are male and it's about sort of the fall of rakugo as a form of personal entertainment there's a lot of really great jose out there it's just you have to really look for the stuff that's not romance which is evidently the a lot of the things that get brought over here yeah the first list clicked on before i realized that all of the results were lists <laughs> has at number one of the top 14 best jose anime of all time yuri on ice oh i saw that yeah mm. i forgot about that I was going to mention that later. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, the director, Sayo Yamamoto, she said in an interview a while back that anime she makes, she intends for uh, female office workers to like come home at the end of a long day and watch while having a beer. <laughs> that woman is my hero. I interviewed her, and unfortunately I cannot post anything until like the interview is approved, which might take a while because apparently there's a big backlog but that's cool though yeah yeah she's a really cool lady and she says she likes to include her own tastes and her own experiences um when she's making them but yeah i mean categorizing anime that's not based on manga is a little bit trickier because it's not as clear cut Mm -hmm. as like what magazine is published in but yeah i'd say yuri on ice is definitely jose it's just shoujo and jose is such a tiny minority of what is being produced particularly as anime. Like, if you look at the listing of uh, anime every season, it's all light novels, and light novels are usually aimed at guys. And there's usually, like, maybe, like, if it's a really good season, three shoujo or jose series out of, like, a hundred. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so many. Mm-hmm. I remember reading, it was in a, it was like a newsletter about um, the Japanese publishing industry, 
And it had mentioned that, I think this was more of a trend in the 90s or early 2000s, but um, actually, no, sorry, this was this was from a thesis that I read. Anyway, the, the author had mentioned that thematically, shoujo is not consistent. Obviously, there are problematic ones. Obviously, there are better ones, although it sounds like there is no sort of perfectly progressive shoujo anime. But they were talking specifically about how some fans, you know, watch just for fun. Other fans watch with an eye to the subtext specifically to, like, find the romantic subtext specifically between male characters, the boys love stuff, um, for the sake of fanfic. Oh, yeah. Is that a pretty big part of shoujo uh, jose fandom? Mm, I'd say it's, mm, like, boys love, it's, uh, it's kind of its own thing. Well, boys love, but also the fan fiction element. Yeah, um, I'd say that shoujo and jose manga tend to focus on female characters. So I'd say that it's more prominent with shonen series. Okay. You know, stuff like Yuri on Ice is an exception because that is um, a, almost a mostly male cast. Hmm. And there's a few out there. Like Yona of the Dawn is one that's currently running, which is also highly recommended. I love that series so much. Like, and that has like a few male characters. And I know that there's a good amount of Slash written about that. But yeah, I'd say that Slash is sort of more prominent in stuff that is aimed at more general audiences like there's a lot with like uh sports anime sports anime and manga has a really really big audience for that like pretty much anything with a lot of male characters <laughs> <laughs> like any anything with a lot of male characters will get or even a few male characters who interact a lot is going to get that sort of element to the fandom that makes sense like Sort of what prompted me to to ask that question was just that sometimes it seems with certain fandoms, fan fiction comes out of like a fan's desire to see their head canon mm-hmm. become reality to some degree, and I was just wondering if that was maybe a factor. Mm, there are some fans who do want to see it canon, and that's more common in the U.S. side of fandom mm. because Americans don't really care for ambiguity. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. All right. I see that. Um, I see that. Americans <laughs> like their like things like nice and clear cut, and I'm the same way. I generally ship canon when I do ship, which is not. Mm-hmm. I don't always ship, but when I do, <laughs> I ship canon. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, like I think for Japanese fandom, I think it's sort of regarded differently. A lot of them, I think they don't want it to become canon because then it sort of loses that subversive element. Yeah. You know, where it's sort of forbidden. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of cases, it's just, it's not realistic to expect it to become canon. Like if you're reading One Piece slash, uh, Luffy and Zoro are not going to start making out probably. <laughs> like... <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that to make fun of people who, who are into that. I'm just saying, like, that's not really a route that we can realistically expect that series to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'd say that for a lot of people, Flash and Shipping is more about exploring, like, um, you know, it, it is, once again, like, everything in fandom is really personal for a lot of people. For, you know, some, for some people, it's about a relationship that doesn't have the baggage of gender roles. 
for some people. It is about seeing sex between two characters where one of them is female like them is intimidating. So it's easier to sort of have the distance of it being two guys. Some fans want their ships to be canon and genuinely think that they would be cute together. Some fans just like to see boys kiss. <laughs> um, you know, it's, um, <laughs> you know, um, but I don't think that expecting your pairing to be canon necessarily really plays into it. Okay. But there's still sort of that desire to, even if it's just within, you know, just by yourself or just within your own community, say online, there's still that desire to sort of express yourself through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's an interesting anime about this. It's a shoujo anime and manga called Kiss Him, Not Me. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> um, I have pretty mixed feelings about it. I think there are some things it does really well, some things it doesn't do well. I haven't got very far into it, but I, I remember seeing some articles on the anime feminist and I'm like, huh, well, I guess I can see what happens when I get there. <laughs> yeah, I have one on heroin problem as well. But it's like, the main character of that series, she is all about seeing those boys kiss. That is her one greatest pleasure in life. And then, like, her anime husband dies in the show, and she's so shocked. And she was really fat before. Uh, she, like, loses a ton of weight, and she's suddenly hot. Which, uh, uh, <laughs> there's some issues there. But all of a sudden, she has, like, all these guys pursuing her, and she doesn't really want to date any of them. She's more interested in seeing them kiss each other, hence the title. But, you know, that series sort of goes into the Fujoshi, which is sort of the affectionate name for that community of fans, into the Fujoshi mindset um, and that subculture. And I'll admit, it's not really a subculture that I'm super involved in, because, like, I like seeing boys kiss, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but it's not been, like, it's, it's just not been something that I pursue mm -hmm. i've seen a little bit more just from being a fan of yuri on ice but it's definitely like i'm on shakier ground with that than with a lot of this stuff all right time for the verdict yeah we can go there so the verdict is just like a an opportunity for us to kind of conclude any thoughts that we have about the week's topic usually one of us will say like whether we're in or out but then provide context it's really loose i don't know what we it used to be called in or out but then we just made it longer so you know what yeah <laughs> uh so it's an opportunity for each of us to kind of tie things up about uh the topic whoever is interested in going first may go first or i can go first uh or you can, i can go first maybe you're interested yeah apparently first. i am <laughs> going first i love anime and manga in a wide variety of different shapes and forms and it has been a really fun journey learning more about shoujo and jose i would say that i probably learned more talking with you caitlin than i have doing my research <laughs> <laughs> but i learned a lot from hearing about your research actually Aww, thank you <laughs> i'd love to actually see your sources on some of that stuff oh well you... just for my own notification i'll be posted after the uh, episode is up so they'll be there awesome <laughs> but it's been really fun both learning about it and reading through it I've definitely learned through this episode that there's a lot of really cool Jose and Shoujo series that I have not read yet and sound like they could be interesting to read. I will probably read some more Jose because it is aimed at adult women and I am an adult man and 
odds are that'll be more interesting than shoujo not that shoujo will be bad just that it probably is less distinct from i don't know the thing that i've been really enjoying about jose is that it feels relatable even though i am obviously not the target demographic and i want to continue doing that and i want to continue exploring what that not genre demographic has to offer so i would say that i am definitely in all right i can go next I feel like at this point on on the podcast, 50 plus episodes in, I've made a do about my comings and goings with anime. I was into it for a while. And then in the middle of Death Note, I was like, "Mm, I'm good (laughs) for like 10 years or something. But now I'm back to watching some, but I'm picky with it. I felt when when I got into it, I felt like I had to just watch anime all the time and watch all the anime that there was. But obviously not something I need to do now. If something sounds really good, I'll check it out, especially if it's short. <laughs> Yuri on Ice was very appealing. <laughs> Are you still watching My Hero Academia? Uh, no, because it doesn't have any more new episodes. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But I did, before um, we recorded this podcast, watch the first episode of Princess Jellyfish. Hey. Ooh. And uh, yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. It's only 11 episodes. Oh. Wait, really? But the manga is like six... What? (laughs) You know what? I'll look that up after the episode. (laughs) The brevity of the anime is very appealing. I'm much, much more of an anime watcher than manga reader. But yeah, but talking about it for this episode, kind of breaking down what it actually means, like this is for girls, this is for adult women versus boys and all that stuff. The fact that it's more character driven and more like internal, more about like goes on people's minds and is more psychological that's very appealing and what i've seen of jose and heard about things that are just it makes it feel like the anime that i'd be most interested in watching i mean I like watching the occasional animated fight <laughs> but this seems like stuff that will actually scratch a niche that i didn't get much from anime when i watched it when i was younger so uh i'm gonna say that i'm in hey cool i can testify next here okay okay <laughs> <laughs> all right like g I am much more of an anime watcher than a manga reader. That said, I haven't really been watching too much anime lately. I've had like a series on the go here, series on the go there maybe. I feel like if I were to statistically line everything up, uh, the majority of the anime that I've watched lately, uh, like over the last few years, has mostly been related to uh, what we were talking about last week, Tales of Games. But I am currently watching one series that I, I think might be either, either Shoujo or Jose called uh, Sakura Quest. Nope. <laughs> nope. Really? <laughs> oh, man. Nope. This is... Oh, okay. Well, anyway, I'm watching Sakura Quest. Okay. Yeah, it. sure. Go ahead. <laughs> sort of on and off. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, I think that answer is a pretty good preview. I gotta say I'm out. It sounds like a really interesting... Uh, bunch of stories and i definitely i'm curious to see what fumiyoshi naga has has written and uh kind of curious about yona of the dawn yes based on nothing but the title so i, I haven't looked it up <laughs> but yona of the dawn um who was it who was saying that they love fushigi yugi she and i i mean in, yeah. enjoyed it when we were young and haven't <laughs> seen a lot of it since definitely read yona of the dawn mm-hmm. sorry to interrupt oh no worries no worries yeah so I'll check out a few things here and there, but for me, it's just going to be, you know, kind of just more of the anime that I'd maybe be looking into anyway, not necessarily something that I'll look further into because it's shoujo or jose. Uh, Caitlin, how about you? 
Oh, I'm out. I'm way out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, like, most of the time when we Stunning have guests, answers. they like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if I said out? And you're like, no, I'm going for it. I'm going for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, so I'm, I'm sarcastic. As well. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely, like, I'm deep in, and I don't see any way out anytime soon. <laughs> I want to support more media being made aimed at people like me and aimed at young women um and i think young women need allies and i want to be one of those allies so you know i'm always going to be supportive even as i'm critical i'm always going to be supportive of shoujo and jose because i i feel like just in so many ways teenage girls especially the ones who don't easily fall into what is mainstream really get left behind so i'm in forever <laughs> Cool. Related to that, we try to spotlight cool causes related to the topic of the show. This week was really hard because it was Shoujo and Jose. So I expanded my scope to look into anime and manga, and I found two spotlights, one of which is pretty obvious to me and probably GNZ and probably you as soon as I say it, Caitlin, <laughs> and another one that is less obvious. Um, so I will start with the, the non-obvious spotlight, which is Anime for Humanity. It is a not-for-profit in the United States whose mission is to expand the awareness of Japanese animation to inspire the community to create good, uh, using things such as anime, cosplay, and more to, uh, make change for a good cause, uh, helping out hospitals, orphanages, disability centers, and so on. Um, you can check that out at animeforhumanity.org. And I couldn't get information about how much money they raised, which was unfortunate, but they do seem to be active. I had an event in October somewhere in California, somewhere in the United States. I got stuck looking for information. But the second spotlight, which is obvious to everyone else on this cast now, is the anime feminist, which explores Japanese pop culture through a feminist lens. As part of the anime feminist is, is uh, well acquainted with that, having... <laughs> What? Never heard of them. Oh, no? Oh, okay. Well, I guess <laughs> no. we won't talk too much about them. No. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they are a really cool site that you can check out. Uh, I definitely used it as a resource on uh, numerous occasions for topics that have touched into uh, anime and manga, and they're just a really cool cause to support. Um, if you want to check out some of their posts, you can go to animefeminist.com, and they have links to all of their stuff there. Yeah. Can I add something to that? Absolutely. Please do. Anime Feminist has been really, really huge since it came into being a little over a year ago. First of all, like I so admire Emilia for a putting all this together and really having the guts to just like go for it with the anime feminist. Because I know a lot of people who write about anime in a feminist way, but never really attached that word to it. You know, the word feminist to it, myself included. But a lot of people have really come to embrace it as a resource. And one of the things that we do is the season previews. But right now, as it stands, we will not be able to afford to do the season previews in the future. Oh, no. Yeah. We're very devoted to make sure everyone gets paid for their work. And doing the season previews is a lot of extra writing, which costs a lot of extra money. So right now, we are in the black on all of the regular posting schedule. But we cannot do the season preview. So if y'all want to see us continue doing that in the future, donations would be really helpful. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. 
because you know we enjoy doing them and we enjoy seeing how people respond to them i'm on the patreon page right now it's 20 dollars a month away from the next goal and then a lot more to the season review thing yeah i really don't know if we're going to be able to do it for next season unfortunately well time will tell and yeah hopefully the answer is yes <laughs> caitlin is there anything other than the anime feminist that you would like to plug i mean you know <laughs> i have my own website um heroinproblem.com heroin is spelled with an e i'm not admitting to my my uh <laughs> drug habit on the internet even if i do live in seattle um, the opioid crisis is terrible out here guys um anyway um no but uh it is where um i post a lot of my work lately i have mostly been focusing on doing a weekly column about the way um relationships particularly abusive relationships are depicted in shoujo manga so I don't really ask for money through the site, uh, although I wouldn't say no to it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so like, just check it out if you enjoy listening to me talk. It's pretty much more of the same on my website because it's all me. <laughs> cool. I definitely added your blog to my list of blogs to read. And I do read my blogs, unlike the read and watch list that I have. <laughs> If you're listening to the show and you haven't already, head on over to iTunes and hit the subscribe button so you get this delivered hot and fresh to your inbox every Friday, as well as uh, leave a rating and review so uh, you can let more people know uh, what we're doing over here at Phanthropological. The podcast is Phanthropological. We are The Next Cast. You can find us at The Next Cast on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook for all our comings and goings. If you look on Instagram right now, you'll see our snazzy new business cards. I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And you can also find us at uh, patreon.com slash the mixcast. Uh, well, as Caitlin already mentioned, Patreon is a site where you can help support artists that you like, like the Anime Feminist and like the Nixcast. Um, well, we are not hurting as much as the Anime Feminist because mostly we do this in our free time. But if you'd like to help support us, if you'd like to help us to continue to interview cool people like Caitlin, help us to go out to different conventions and chat with cool fans that are there, help us to keep content up on our youtube channel and keep the podcast ad free you can go to patreon.com slash nixcast and help us out even as little as a dollar a month it's very helpful and even just covering the hosting costs for the podcast that does leave one final piece which is the famous last words which is our opportunity to make a statement or ask a question before we do the research for next week's topic last words. and next week's topic of the fandom that we will be examining is board game fans Uh, and caitlin you are also welcome to make a statement or a question you don't even have to listen to the answer but we're going to research it so (laughs) you can make a doozy if you like or a softball i mean we're happy with either it's fun to do the research um so whoever has something in mind fire away i've got one okay all right a little bit on the ridiculous side but uh Maybe it'll reveal something. Okay. The boom in board game creation over the, like the last decade or so comes from people, the creators themselves, remembering unsatisfying board game experiences with like monopoly and life and trouble while they were kids. Oh, mine is going to be very similar to that. <laughs> man, oh man. 
All right. Sharing a wavelength tonight. I was going to say the change occurred when, when Monopoly became public domain and everyone started to make dumb Opoly games. <laughs> I mean, that's not too similar. That's that's more of a of like a market being flooded kind of thing. And my question is more about people wanting to give people an experience that was like the one they had, but better. They want to make the board games they always wanted to play. Okay. I'll try to come up with mine to give Caitlin some time. <laughs> oh, I already have one. Oh, okay. You go then. Oh, I'll give okay. myself some time then. <laughs> what board game has the most detailed, complicated, esoteric set of rules? Oh, ooh, that's going to be fun. I feel like the answer is already Twilight Imperium, but I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about like board game fan board games. I don't want to take time to learn all those rules. That just is boring for me. <laughs> okay i think what i'm gonna ask is what is the most expensive commercially available board game uh and i'm gonna count out like monopoly like gold-plated monopoly or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's got to be some fan who's like i have to have it all i don't know we're gonna find out on the next episode okay let me do a real do-over <laughs> yeah do okay i have no idea i'm gonna find out okay but board games helped popularize Kickstarter. Okay. And board games and Kickstarter are very intertwined these days, so I'm curious to find out the relationship. Cool. All right, well, thank you very much, Caitlin, for joining mm-hmm. us for the show. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, it's fun to sort of talk about it with people who are not as entrenched. I think we're usually pretty fan adjacent, but not necessarily part of the set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our whole thing, fan adjacency, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's our MO on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, but seriously, seriously, Yoda of the Dawn is, like, my favorite shoujo manga that has come out in the last, like, decade, <laughs> probably. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it is medieval Korean fantasy girl has to go and gather her warriors in sort of the same way as Fushigi Yugi. (laughs) But it's not like a modern day girl. It is a spoiled, deposed princess who makes an active effort to be a valuable contributing member of the team. Oh. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's got like geopolitical stuff going on. And yeah, no, it's really cool. I super, super recommend it. And the anime is on Crunchyroll. Okay. Yeah. Is the anime also good? Yes, the anime is very good. Okay, good. Hmm. All right. Written down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And thank you, everybody. Uh, thank- uh, you got it. Thank-, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Pleasure. All right. Bye, everybody. site because it's all me.
Cool. I definitely added your blog to my list of blogs to read. And I do read my blogs, unlike the read and watch list that I have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, our show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, if you're listening to the show and you haven't already. I'm on shakier ground with that than with a lot of this stuff. All right. Time for the verdict? Yeah, we can go there. Um, we kind of did the whole show. Yeah, I mean, usually there's like a clear line between talking about oh, yeah, famous yeah. last words and like let's talk about the subject, but we just kind of like smeared that all of, like it was just, it was uh, good. It, it, yeah. it made for a good flow, but uh, yeah, good luck with the I'll, editing I'll this week. A, I'll just put in a very faint echoey uh, why. Uh, chime, you know, just, it'll be fun. Just take the one from the reflex uh, by uh, Duran Duran. Yeah. So the verdict is just like a, an opportunity for us to kind of.